Well, good morning. Hey, we want to welcome you to Genesis Church. My name is Paul Mumal, and I'm the lead pastor here at Genesis. And if this is your first time, a special welcome to you. Uh, this morning, I want to talk about baptism. Uh, we're going to go back to just the basics this morning and take a look at a subject that maybe you've uh, read about, maybe you've just uh, experienced, uh, maybe you've been baptized, or you know, you know the church talks about it, you know it's important, and, and I think it's just important once in a while to go back to the basics and to talk about something like back, baptism. I mean, if, if you think about it, even a major league baseball team, when they go to spring training, uh, those guys practice running the bases. Uh, you know, a professional basketball team, when they come together for practice, chances are that in every practice they're going to work on dribbling the ball. They're going to shoot free throws. You know, a good football team is going to work on footwork and, and blocking. Well, I think it's important to come back to the basics once in a while, even in the church, even in the Bible, and, and talk about something like baptism. Because uh, it would be a, a tragedy to just suppose that everybody gets it you know, and to take it for granted. And, and as I looked at this Sunday back early on in the summer, I thought, you know, what a great week to just spend some time talking about baptism. Well, just having finished a series here on absolute truth, I came across an article this week that I thought was pretty interesting. Uh, the following is a USA Today article from a couple of years ago detailing the decline in water baptism in churches in America today. And, and I've just kind of summed it up in a few sentences, but this article from, from a couple of years ago in USA Today, it says that there, is now, there are now baptism ceremonies, there are now baptism ceremonies where God is never mentioned by, by parents or the person performing the ceremony in order to initiate parents to initiate their children into a world of all faiths, says Emma Druliard of San Francisco. Uh, she conducts baptism ceremonies for a living for parents. Well, she recently conducted a baptism ceremony for a couple and their daughter. And following the baptism, the mother of the baptized child was quoted as saying, we wanted a larger spirit to guide our daughter, but we didn't want to get specific. And we wanted to make sure that all of her bases were covered. Well, the parents of this particular child, as the article states, grew up in a Presbyterian church, but now claim their own version of spirituality. Uh, the couple intends to raise their daughter with faith in angels, fairies, leprechauns, and Santa Claus. Uh, and I quote, now... I realize that that's a very extreme view of baptism, and we may not see that a lot in central Indiana, but I know that there are a number of different views when it comes to the topic of baptism. You know, most aren't quite this extreme, but there's a good chance that even here this morning, because a number of us are coming from different church backgrounds and traditions, that we've, we've got a, a kind of a collection of views when it comes to baptism, because you might have grown up in a Pentecostal uh, background, or maybe you grew up in the Baptist church, maybe you grew up in a Lutheran tradition or, or a Catholic tradition. And so we all come together and, and we've got all these different opinions on baptism. But I want to start with this, uh, just, just as a way to kind of see where we are. Um, how many of you have ever been baptized, whether it was an infant or as an adult? Okay, lots of you, most of you, if you look around the room, uh, have been baptized. And whether you were sprinkled as a child or, or dunked as an adult, uh, maybe you're here today and maybe you've been considering baptism or you hear us talk about it and, and so you've been looking forward to a morning today, like today. Um, but whatever your situation, here's what I want to ask you to do this morning. I want to ask, <clears throat> would you be willing to just kind of open your heart up uh, to this particular teaching, to, to really seek to understand what maybe God wants to say to you, to speak to you uh, through his word, and, and let's look to scripture to see what God has to say about baptism. Now, now my goal is to really just make it as simple as possible. And, and there are a number of issues and, and topics that come up with baptism that we're not going to cover today, but my hope is just to really hit the basics. 
the last church where I served, the uh, senior pastor that I served under, uh, he gave a phenomenal message on baptism one time. And when I listened to it, I thought, you know, when I preach on baptism one day, I'm going to kind of follow his same pattern as well. So what I've done is just tried to take some of the main questions that people typically ask when it comes to the topic of baptism and hopefully be able to answer them for you today as we look to God's word. And so if you're taking notes and you want to follow along, the first question is just simply this. What does baptism mean? What does baptism mean? You know, baptism can mean a number of different things, but let me just start by sharing three great things that I believe that baptism means to you and me. The first thing is this. Baptism serves as an inner cleansing for us. Baptism serves as an inner cleansing. Now, here's how. We believe that when you uh, surrender your life to Jesus Christ, when you turn your life over to God, um, you are turning your past over to him as well. And some of you are like, amen, thank you, God, for that. You know, but it's like you are, you are giving your past, you know, those college years, you know, the, that time of rebellion, that season of rebellion, you're handing it over to God. You're saying, here, this belongs to you, but I'm new. I am changed forever. I have been forgiven. My sins have been removed from me as far as the east is from the west. I am a brand new person today because of Jesus Christ. And so when you're baptized, you are making a statement that you have turned your past over to God and you are starting off in a new direction as a follower of Jesus Christ. You have this new, fresh start. First uh, Peter chapter 3, verses 21 through 22. I like what Peter says. This is in the message version. Uh, He writes, the waters of baptism, they do that for you, not by washing away dirt from your skin, but by presenting you through Jesus' resurrection before God with a clear conscience. Jesus has the last word on everything and everyone from angels to armies, and he's standing right alongside God and what he says goes. Isn't that awesome? That, That Jesus, what he has promised to us, that when we surrender our life to him, he becomes an advocate. Uh, of sorts for us that he goes before the father on our behalf and says this one matters here's another life surrendered you know to god based on what i've done on the cross uh we can celebrate this you know when we do baptisms here at genesis church we use this portable tub uh we we set this up we take it down as needed and so because we're doing baptisms in a couple of weeks and because we're talking about baptism this morning, we decided let's put it up. And it's got this real funny looking liner on it. But uh, I want you to know this. There is nothing holy about the water that goes in here. Uh, nothing magical about it. We run a hose from the maintenance room uh, through here and fill it up. In fact, the first little bit's a little rusty. So we empty that out first. But then we, we fill this up and, and we heat it so that it's above 90 degrees. But it's just good old Noblesville regular H2O. But it's so much more than that. I mean, baptism, it's a celebration. I mean, your baptism, the baptisms that take place here in this room represent the great and awesome things that God is is doing in a life. You know, baptism, it it offers, as the Bible teaches, a cleansing for what is on the inside. In in Acts chapter 22, verse 16, uh, Paul is recalling his conversion. He's recalling those words that Ananias spoke into his heart when he says, and now what are you waiting for, Paul? Get up be baptized and wash your sins away, calling on his name. We believe that baptism serves as an inner cleansing. The second thing is that we believe that baptism is a meaningful symbol. Now, it is so much more than just a symbol. I mean, we believe that it is a sacrament, that Christ is present in our baptism, but it is a meaningful symbol. And God provided symbols all throughout the Bible, through the Old Testament and the New Testament, 
And these symbols served as significant marks. I mean, he gave us a rainbow. He gave Noah a rainbow after the flood to say, hey, I will never, ever again destroy the world with a flood. Uh, He gave us communion as a symbol that we can participate in it so that we remember Christ's body broken, we remember his blood shed, and we remember the forgiveness of sins as we take communion together. You know, the message of baptism is so clear, and it doesn't even really have to be complicated. It can be as simple and as basic as that, you know, it is a symbol uh, of the life, the death, uh, and, and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that, that when you are above the water and go down into the water and come out, I mean, you are literally participating in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we see that, and we remember that, and we celebrate that, you know, whether it's you being baptized, or whether you're just participating as the crowd in celebrating and what's happened. It's a reminder of the decision that you've made. Uh, it, it's a great, you know, uh, reminder of the decision that's being made by the person that's being baptized and we're reminded of this every time romans chapter 6 verses 3 and 4 says or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into christ jesus were baptized into his death now picture that when the person goes into the water we were therefore buried with him in the water through baptism into death in order that just as christ was raised from the dead you and i are raised from the dead through the glory of the father that we too may have may live a new life you know so every time you know every time we celebrate baptism it's a reason to party i mean it really is and so we get excited here when someone gets baptized it is the it it is a sign of our 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 mission as a church helping people find their way back to god i mean we celebrate it We, we get excited it's a dramatic reminder of what jesus has done you know he didn't just die but he he was buried but made alive as god raised him from the dead now, when you choose to be baptized, when you choose to be baptized, you're making a great statement with your life. I mean, you're basically saying with your life, I'm alive. I've been made alive because of Jesus Christ. Uh, my eternity is found in heaven because of what Christ has done for me. I, I, I believe that baptism, it marks us. I mean, if you've been baptized, you know, if you were baptized at an age when you remember it, I mean, you remember that feeling of of standing there somewhat anxiously and going under the water and coming up out of the water. And and that that moment marks you. You know, it should mark you. you. If you're considering being baptized, you know, that moment of baptism will mark you as a day that you won't forget. You know, you'll never forget that feeling. But but it's also a statement to the church. You know, it's a statement to your spouse. It's a statement to your friend or to your children, uh, maybe your coworker, that you've made a decision for Christ, that you have been forgiven and made new, and you will never, ever be the same ever again. How many of you watched just a couple of weeks ago LeBron James' press conference uh, where he announced that he was going to South Beach to play for the Heat? Anybody watch that on ESPN? Anybody care at all? A few people around the room? Well, you know, the whole world watched. I watched it. You know, and he made this announcement, I'm going to South Beach to play, and nobody cares, all right? I mean, he's still going to make a lot of money. You know, when you're baptized, when someone gets baptized here at Genesis as a public statement of what you choose, are choosing to do next, we care. Everybody cares, because that's what we're about. That's what the church is about, and that's what we get excited about, you know? Baptism means you are a new person. And let me just add, if you choose to get baptized here in a couple of weeks on Sunday, August the 8th, I hope you'll invite whoever. I I hope you'll invite your family. I hope you'll invite your neighbors. 
uh, maybe co-workers, people that don't know Christ that just will come and celebrate this event with you so they can see with their own eyes that the decision you've made to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 and 27. You, all are, you are all, all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. The third thing is, letter C, baptism is a visible expression of your faith. We've already talked about this a little bit, but when people gave their lives to Jesus Christ in the New Testament, over and over again, you'll see this for yourself if you look with your very own eyes, they were baptized. I mean, they gave their lives to Christ and almost immediately in in, in many situations, they went and were baptized in order to make a public commitment, a a public demonstration of, of what they had just done. You know, you're saying with your life, hey, I'm changed. You know, this is what matters to me. This is what matters most. Well, Jesus gave us baptism so that we can demonstrate our faith in Christ. It's like he's saying, hey, you've made this decision in your heart. Now go do something to demonstrate the decision that you've made. And I just think it's kind of interesting that as you read through the Gospels and as Jesus was healing different people, he often called them to an action step. I mean, he, he told the lame man to go bathe in the pool at Siloam. Uh, he told the man with the, the, the crippled man with the withered hand to stretch out his hand. I mean, these weren't prerequisites that were needed in order for Jesus to perform the miracle, but he wanted them to participate in what was happening. I mean, he wanted them to demonstrate their faith and what had happened in their life in, in some way, the decision that, that, that's been made. You know, when you give your life to Jesus, you know, whether it's here on a Sunday or whether you're, you're on your own, you know, and, and you make that decision for Christ, God has given you baptism as a way of demonstrating, a public demonstration of the commitment that you've made in your life to follow Jesus Christ. Now, as a pastor, I've had the awesome privilege uh, to be involved in a number of different baptisms in the, the 10 years that I've served in ministry. And, you know, there are some great moments that I recall. I, I recall the, the first church that I was serving at in Michigan. Uh, I, I got to baptize an 80-year-old woman. And she was baptized like way back as a teenager. But she needed this in her life. And uh, I'll be honest, I tried to talk her out of it a bit. I, I was a little afraid for her to be in the water and to try and climb out of that water. And that I was going to drop her or something. And she, she wouldn't have it. And if she was going to fall and die, she wanted to fall and die there at the baptism, you know. And, uh, and to baptize her and to bring her out of the water and to see this look of joy on her face of the decision, the public decision that she had made that she was following Christ with whatever years God had left for her. Uh, I, I remember one guy that uh, I baptized there. His name was Eric, and he was about the same age as, as I am. And he had given his life for Christ, and he came on a, given his life to Christ. He came to church on a Sunday, and he said, Hey, I want to be baptized today. Well, the logistics of that in some places don't always work like that. I mean, we had a, a permanent baptism at that church, but you had to fill it up, and that took some hours. And then you got to heat it. And that takes like 36 hours to get it to a comfortable temperature. But he's like, no, I want to be baptized today. I need this for my life. And so we did a service on Sunday nights at that church. So I said, well, okay. So I I turned the water on after church and we let it run for a few hours. Well, it's baptism time. It's service time. That heater didn't have any chance to work. And we knew that. So we climbed into that freezing cold water. And I remember I just kept my word short and quick and baptized him. And he came up out of the water and just celebrated the fact that he was able to say before his friends that I've given my life to Jesus Christ. I pray that our motivation and our desire would be a lot like Eric's. You know, I've made this decision in my life and I've got to tell everybody that I know 
what, what Jesus Christ ha- has done for me. I mean, the, the visible picture of baptism is an incredible scene, you know, and one that should never be taken lightly. It's, it's a picture of humility. It's a picture of obedience and, and ultimately a life made alive in Christ. Uh, and it's great for our church too, you know, because when baptisms take place in here, kids watch and then they start asking questions. And, you know, someone, you know, tears up because they've been praying for that person or, or they tear up because they know they need to make that decision in their life too. And, and that testimony was all they needed for that particular day. Well, the next question, how is baptism done? Now, what, what's the appropriate method uh, for baptism? And I, I think this video will best illustrate how baptism should be done. It's funny, if you go on to watch that video a little further, the pastor said, that's the first time that that's ever happened and the last time that'll ever happen. Don't, don't jump into our tub, please, because there's electrical equipment and we want to make sure that everybody's safe and, and all that good stuff. But h- how is baptism to be, to be done? A um, couple of things. Uh, first, pa- baptism doesn't have to be performed by a pastor. I, I don't know if you know or realize that or not. The Bible doesn't require it. I, I believe that anyone uh, who has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and has been baptized themselves, uh, I, I think what a great opportunity. In fact, let just the record state that I, I hope we come to this place as a church that, that our baptism tub will be filled with people like you who are baptizing your children, uh, maybe a spouse, uh, maybe a coworker, a friend that you've been praying for. What, what a great celebration, you know, as we celebrate uh, uh, lives committed and, and people baptized. You know, depending on your church background, you've probably seen baptism performed a number of different ways. Some traditions sprinkle. Uh, some traditions will pour water over a head. Uh, it's important to note that these methods came along sometime after the early church, that we don't see evidence of these in Scripture. Uh, in fact, evidence indicates that sprinkling was first used as a method for baptism when people were ill or were physically unable to get into the water for themselves. Uh, The earliest evidence for sprinkling in the church goes back as far as 300 AD, almost 300 years after Jesus. And it wasn't until the year 1311 that the Roman Catholic Church officially established sprinkling and pouring as official methods for baptism. Uh, and, And this was done at the Council of Ravenna. And other churches have followed suit in the years. But most evangelical churches, like Genesis Church, choose to immerse Uh, When it comes to baptism, to take a person completely under the water and to hopefully bring them out of the water. Uh, Why? Well, if you take a look at scripture, every example of baptism performed uh, was performed the same way. It was putting a person completely under the water. Uh, Just a couple of examples. If you go to Acts chapter 8 and read the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, it says that he took him down to the river and scripture says that the Ethiopian went down into the water and then came up out of the water. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, uh, Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, and the scriptures specifically say that he came up out of the water. Now, the Greek word for baptize is the word baptizo, and when translated, it literally means to immerse, to dip, or to fully plunge uh, in the water. And so now think back to the verse, if you would, that we looked at just a moment ago in Romans chapter 6. The word used there to describe baptism is the word buried. You know, and when we are baptized, when we are immersed, I mean, we are buried with Christ. And I just think it paints this awesome picture uh, of what Christ uh, was willing to do himself. Now, as a church, as Genesis Church, uh, we have chosen to baptize by immersion because we believe that it more clearly models 
the example that Christ left for us. I believe baptism by immersion better represents a picture of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, the last church that I was serving at in Louisville, we had a very large baptism tank. And, I mean, we could get as many as like 15 or 20 people in there at a time. And uh, so I, I was in there on this one particular Sunday for the service and had the opportunity to baptize a man I had never met. And he was a big guy. Now, I know some of you worry about that. You're like, well, will my pastor or will this person be able to, to get me under the water and get me up? Well, we work on that. Uh, I mean, there are methods. I mean, that's why we pump iron uh, and all that stuff. And there are all these different strategies, you know, and movement to the knee and the hips and stuff to get you into the water safely and bring you out. Trust me, you know, we, we, we know how to do that. Maybe most of the time. But anyway, this one guy that I was baptizing, he was taller than I was and a little bit bigger. And I didn't realize it, but I had him a little bit closer to the back wall. And this was a permanent tank. And so when I took him under, I hit his head. And fortunately, he was fine. I didn't hit it too hard or whatever. But like there would probably be some times where it would be a little more convenient to sprinkle. All right. But again, I just don't I I, I like the picture. I, I, I think it paints an awesome picture of of the death and the burial and the resurrection with Christ. And, and when you make the decision to be baptized, I mean, it marks you. I mean, it's a moment that you'll never forget. Now, chances are that some of you were baptized as a young infant. Uh, my wife was baptized as an infant. My, my wife, Jenny, grew up in a Lutheran church. Uh, her parents had the very best intentions for her. And five years ago, and my wife had been following Christ since she was a teen when she gave her life to Jesus, uh, but she had never been baptized where it was her own public choice, her, her own decision. And so five years ago, she made the decision to be baptized. It was a personal choice that, that she made. I, I just believe there, there is something important that we see in every situation and instance with baptism in Scripture. You know, what is it? Each person made the choice for themselves to follow Christ and then to be baptized. There's, there's not one single instance of infant baptism in the Bible, which leads to the next question. Who should be baptized? Who should be baptized? I, I believe the Bible is very clear that a person should be baptized soon after they surrender their heart and life to Jesus Christ. You know, again, we see this in Scripture, and, and it wasn't always, well, hey, we're doing baptisms again in three months, you know, and so just, just plan on being here three months from now. I mean, they, they went immediately and we're baptized, you know, and, and you may not understand, or maybe when you were baptized, you didn't understand, you know, even the Bible or theology or end times or whatever you call it, but you knew what was happening in your life. You had given your life to Christ. Uh, you had experienced his forgiveness and you were making a decision to walk this new path that you wanted to follow Jesus. And so that much was clear to you. And that's enough. And that's enough. I, I recall a conversation I had with a guy recently who was making a decision for Christ. He said, you know, I get it. I get questions one, two, and three. It's 48 that's hung me up for so long. Well, we, we, got to, we got to this place where he's like, you know what? I can deal with 48 later. I, I've got one, two, and three right now. And, and that's all that really matters. You know, I, I've been in church my whole life since I, I was just a couple of weeks old. And when I was 12 years old, I made a decision to be baptized. And to make that public statement. And I talked to my parents and, and I talked with my, my youth pastor and, and he baptized me on a Sunday night at my church in Springfield, Illinois. And that's a moment that, that I'll never forget. Um, I think it's awesome when children and students are baptized. 
and, and we encourage that and we want that. That's a big part of our mission as a church. And that's why I've asked Josh, our student pastor, and T-Rock, our children's director, to make it a point uh, at, at various times throughout the year to talk to children about decisions for Christ and, and about following uh, that decision w- with baptism. But who is the most important person in that decision? Parents, it's you. Mom and dad, you are the most important influence in your child's life for making a decision for Jesus Christ. We will partner with you in that. We will do whatever we can to help influence that decision. But ultimately, that is your responsibility. And if you've got children right now or if you've got students right now, I encourage you, I beg you, I plead with you to use this influential time in their lives to talk to them about a relationship for Jesus Christ and to talk to them about what it means to be baptized. I mean, this is your big part. You know, and one of the questions that often comes up is, well, at what age is it most appropriate for my child to be baptized? And I have a suggestion for you. And it's not the Bible. It's not gospel. Uh, You won't find it in the Dead Sea Scrolls or anything, but it's just something that T-Rock and I have talked about a little bit. And we'd like to suggest the age of eight as a minimum of sorts, just kind of a guide uh, for children and for you to be baptized. Now, again, I, we have no degree. I have no degree in child psychology. And I, I realize that uh, there are some children that at ages six and seven that maybe are ready to be baptized and can demonstrate that maturity. And again, I'm not saying let's hold back children from making decisions for Christ. Uh, I'm just talking about the baptism part. Um, I, here's what I think is important. I believe that it's important for children to have some what of an idea um, and an understanding of the decision that they are making to be baptized. And parents, that's why it's so important for you to be involved with this. Uh, Mom and dad, it's ultimately your decision when a child is ready to be baptized. And and again, uh, talk with with Josh or talk with T-Rock. They can provide some resources for you, some uh, talking points. Uh, But let us partner with you in this. But ultimately, this is your responsibility. Well, what about infant baptism? Um, You know, why do some churches sprinkle infants? Uh, well, these churches, most church, some churches uh, that, that choose infant baptism typically believe in a concept known as original sin. Now, it's the belief that a baby is born into the world with the sin of Adam already passed on to them. And so the reasoning is that you need to get the infant baptized so that in case something tragically happened, that child is covered and they'll indeed go to heaven. But I think it's worth noting that when pressed, even those churches and denominations that, that, that are supporters of infant baptism are quick to point out that you won't find support or examples of this in the New Testament. And just a few examples of that. Uh, the Tabingen School is associated with the Lutheran Church. And the Lutheran Church baptizes infants, much like my wife. And in a paper on infant baptism, they cited, and I quote, a compelling direct proof from Scripture for the possibility of infant baptism cannot be brought. Uh, another example is the Congregational Church, and, and they, they are supporters of infant baptism. Scholar H.T. Andrews uh, of their own faith said, there is no shred of real proof that baptism was administered to infants in the apostolic age. And, and finally, even with the Methodist Church, uh, scholar J.R. Nelson says, the New Testament says nothing explicitly about the baptizing of children. Now, I believe that we are born with a sin nature. And that scripture teaches this, but not with original sin on us. I mean, how can a baby be guilty of sinning when they're not at a place when they can make a decision between right or wrong? Or or how can a person be held accountable when they haven't yet reached an age where they can choose for themselves to accept Christ 
or to reject Christ. Now, I know and understand that that gets a little complicated, but I, I like what Pastor John MacArthur had to say about this. And, and he, was, he appeared on Larry King right after the 9-11 attacks. And the question was posed to him by Larry King. A baby's at the bottom of the World Trade Center when the tower collapses. What happens with the child? And I loved his response. It was just two words. He said, instant heaven. That's all he said. Instant heaven. You know, again, I realize the age of accountability. You know, when is a person really at a place where they can ultimately make a decision to accept or reject Christ is a tough one. All right? It's tough for us to reason through this. But I believe that until a child or a student is able to demonstrate for themselves the ability to make this decision, you know, to accept Christ or reject Christ, I believe that they are fully and completely covered by the grace of God and the love of God. And if something were to tragically happen, instant heaven would be the result. What does it all come down to? We, we don't baptize infants here at Genesis Church. Uh, we believe baptism is a personal choice. And, and so several times a year we'll do something we call them uh, parent-child dedication services. And if you have a young child and you've never dedicated them, uh, we'll have a service here. But it gives our parents, it gives you an opportunity to stand before your church and say, we realize that this child is a gift from God and we are making a public commitment here today as parents that we are going to do everything possible to teach them what it means to love Jesus Christ. And we want the church to see this and to hold us accountable <clears throat> to this. Well, what if you were baptized as an infant somewhere? Was it stupid? Or, or what, if, uh, what if your parents, uh, um, or what, what if you as parents baptized your baby at another church? You know, was it wrong? Absolutely not. And please hear me very clearly when I say that. Absolutely not. I, I applaud any parents who make the decision in their life to, to raise their children to love the Lord. And I realize there are other traditions that do things, you know, some different ways. But let me say this to those of you who were baptized as infants, because I know this might be somewhat of a barrier to you. To choose to be immersed as an adult should in no way be seen as a slap in the face of sorts to your parents, like what they did for you didn't matter or doesn't count. Uh, deciding to be baptized as, as a teen or an adult, in my mind, can be seen as a fulfillment of your parents' wishes for you, that you are making a public commitment that you intend to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. You know, be thankful for your parents, you know, for the very best intentions that they had for you in your life. The next question, how do you know if you should be rebaptized? You know, some will say, you know, I was 10. You know, and now I'm 25 or 35 and 45, so I know so much more than I did when I was 10 years old. Well, I hope so. I mean, I hope that God is changing you and growing you in such a way that, that even though you were inviting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior as a 10-year-old and you didn't know a lot, you know, and you know so much more today, I don't think that that in any way, you know, minimizes or discounts the importance of that baptism in your life. It, it marked you. You know, it was this public commitment of the decision that you've made. And so just because there are a number of years or you were 10 when you did, it doesn't mean it, it doesn't count. But, but it's a different story if you were baptized for the wrong reasons. You know, I mean, if, you're, if your mom, you know, told you, hey, you know, grandma's offering you 50 bucks to get baptized on Easter. 
You know, there might have been a little bit of a motivational, you know, problem there. Or if your dad said, hey, you know, I'll buy you the Atari if uh, you get baptized at Grandpa's church this Sunday. Uh, again, you know, I think maybe that's worth taking a look at. You know, Mom and Dad, if, if you know, Aunt Dolores is going to be in town, it's a perfect time, you know, to get little Jimmy baptized. Be careful of that. I mean, let's make sure that, you know, our children and our students, again, are, are, are somewhat understanding of the decision they've made. And, but if that were you... You know, and you know, hey, I didn't get it. I, I was doing this for someone else. I did it for my parents or they forced me to do it. Well, maybe, it, maybe, maybe you should be baptized. Maybe you should be rebaptized. I mean, get baptized, you know, for the right reasons. You know, again, baptism is about demonstrating your, your, your decision to surrender it all to Jesus. If you have any doubts at all in your mind and you feel like the Spirit of God has been working in you or maybe speaking to you loud and clear this morning, you know what? Get baptized. You know, find peace in it. You know, be obedient to the work that God is doing in you right now and what he's calling you to do. Fifth question, do I have to be baptized? Now, this one's not in your notes. Forgot to add this one. So if you're like me and you get all bent out of shape about everything not looking perfect, write it off to the side. But the question is, do I have to be baptized? You know, some are like, is it really that important? I mean, do we really have to get hung up on this baptism issue? Is that really what it comes to? Well, let's look again at what Jesus' command was concerning baptism in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. And, and this was a big statement for Jesus. Just as he ascended into heaven, he said, hey, here's what I'm calling you to do as the church. And this is for Genesis 2, verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You know, again, when you look at the early church and what Christ has called us to, even today as a church, as followers with Jesus, without exception, every decision for Christ was followed by baptism. You know, the two went together. In Acts chapter 2, verses 36 to 38, Peter was preaching, and he was preaching to a group of people not too long after Jesus Christ had ascended into heaven. These people didn't know uh, Christ is their Savior. They had crucified them. And uh, in verse 36, uh, Peter says, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift Oh, the Holy Spirit. And so they respond to Peter's message like, okay, now what do we do? We get it. We understand that Jesus Christ is the gospel, that he is the good news. So what should we do next? Well, what was Peter's response to them? Did he say, well, listen, there's this issue called election. And so you really have no choice in the matter, but good luck in it. You know, no, he didn't say that, you know, and, and notice that he didn't say, okay, great. Um, everyone bow your heads and close your eyes, and if you want to invite Christ into your life, go ahead and raise your hand right now. You know, not that there's anything wrong with that, but no, he didn't do that. Or he didn't say, hey, I've got the perfect prayer. You repeat these words exactly as I say them, you know, and you will be saved. No, it, it was just much simpler and even a little more direct. And maybe we ought to be a little more direct at times. He said, repent and be baptized right now. Repent and be baptized. You know, I think too often our question when it comes to something like baptism is, do I have to be baptized? 
when probably the more appropriate question should be, what is God asking me to do next? And really, shouldn't that always be our attitude? I mean, if we truly are going to be followers of Jesus Christ, but it's not God, do I have to do this? But our attitude, even at this beginning place of inviting Jesus Christ to be the Lord of our life and to be followers is to say, God, what do you want me to do next? What do you want from me? Here's what I believe the Bible teaches. The moment that you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, whether here or with your connection group or at home or in the car, I believe that in that moment when you seek God's forgiveness and invite Jesus into your life that you are saved, that your eternity is in heaven, that you are made alive by Jesus. And if God forbid the very next day your car goes off a cliff, which I realize would be very bizarre in Indiana because we don't have too many cliffs around here. But if that happened, you know, Instant heaven would be the result for you. Now, look at the thief on the cross. He never had the opportunity to go and be baptized. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. But you know what? If for whatever reason they were able to come down off the cross, I'm pretty confident that Jesus would have led that man to be baptized. Uh, it's the condition of your heart. You know, for the thief, it was the condition of your heart. I believe that when that surrender takes place inside of you, that you are indeed saved. But here's what concerns me. It concerns me when we discount or minimize the importance of something that we've been commanded to do by Jesus. And I just have to be honest, and maybe I'm wrong in this, but if you give your life to Jesus Christ and then turn around and say, I really have little to no desire to be baptized, I just I have some great concerns about whether that's really the best starting place or whether you really truly understand what it is that you're giving your life to. I, I want you to want baptism. I, I want the experience of baptism to mark you for the rest of your life. I want your family and your friends and for this church to be able to celebrate the greatest decision you have or you will ever make in your life. It's a decision that says this matters the most. I was once dead, but I am alive. I was once lost, but now I am found, and everything changes. I am leaving it all behind. I am giving every bit of myself to Jesus Christ. I was reading a story this past week that a missionary wrote, a missionary that had spent some time serving in East Malaysia. And Malaysia, East Malaysia, especially very heavily uh, Muslim influence area, most of the people being Muslim people. And he talked about the church that they had established and this baptism service that was planned. And a young teenage girl that showed up uh, that afternoon or evening, whatever it was, to be baptized. And he noticed something odd about her, and that is that when she walked in the room, she was carrying a suitcase. And uh, he thought this was somewhat peculiar. And, and as he writes, he, he went up to her and said, hey, you know, we're glad you're here today. I'm, I'm looking forward to baptizing you. We're excited about your decision. What's the suitcase for? And she said, well, my father is a, um, a very involved Muslim man. And when I told him the decision that I had made, he told me, you might as well pack your bags because you will never be welcome in this house ever again if you do just that. And she packed her bag. Because for her, it was all out surrender. She was saying with her life, nothing matters more than Jesus Christ and what he has done for me. And I'm leaving it all behind. And I made this decision that I will follow and live with him forever. 
You know, Jesus matters more. The last question, when should I be baptized? It's an easy one. August 8th. You know, no, but why delay? You know, I, I have a hunch that there are many people in this room right now, you know, people here at Genesis that are ready to be baptized. Uh, children, students, adults, you know, it, it's time. And I've been, I've been trying to be intentional over this last few weeks to, to seek decisions and, and to invite you to make a commitment in your life. And every week after every service, uh, hands have been going up around the room. And that's awesome. And if you've put your hand up around the room over these last couple of weeks... It's time to be baptized. Uh, it's time to make that decision public. You know, some of you have been thinking about baptism for a while, and, and maybe you, all that you needed today was this teaching. And I, and I just pray that, that God is working in your heart, and if He is, it's time. You know, some of you have exerted more energy avoiding baptism than trying to understand baptism. Uh, but maybe God is, is giving you that clarity. Maybe it's all coming together. And if the Spirit of God is working in you, today. I know you might be afraid. I know you might be nervous and maybe you have a fear of water. We will do everything that we can to help you feel secure and confident in being baptized. But don't avoid it. Let us celebrate this with you. You know, celebrate this own decision in your life. Everybody's a little afraid. Everybody's a little nervous. It's okay to be that. You know, maybe you made a decision for Christ, you know, last year or 10 years ago, but you've never been baptized. Maybe it's time. Or maybe you were baptized as an infant and you just know, hey, I, I want this for my life now. And that's okay. We, we would love to celebrate that with you. And, and you know and understand that you didn't realize what you were committing to then, but you do today. And, and you want to say to your family, hey, um, thanks, Mom and Dad. And, and this is just the fulfillment of it all. You know, I get it. You know, in two weeks, on Sunday, August the 8th, we're going to take both services. And, and I just, I pray, and we've already had some commitments, so we're going to baptize people uh, children and students and adults, and, and we're going we're gonna to throw a party, and we're going to have a great time of worship, and we're going to get real excited as we see life decision uh, taking place before us, and we're going to have food in the cafe uh, in between services just so you can hang around, and, and we can kind of all celebrate together. But uh, well, do you want to be a part of it? I mean, is it time? Is this what God is calling you to do? You know, trust me, I know there are all sorts of barriers that will get in your way of being baptized. In fact, I can promise you this, that some of you here right now, you're thinking about it, you're closer to the decision that you've ever been in your life, and by the time you get to the car, Satan will put some doubts in your mind. Or you'll be thinking, oh, I wasn't sure if we were going to be here in two weeks. Well, I'm going to pray, we're going to pray that God removes all of those barriers and that you just see this as a great opportunity for you and for this church to celebrate what Jesus has done for you. Because really, when you think about it, there should be only one barrier that stands in your way from being baptized. And that is that you've never invited Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. But you can do that today. And maybe some of you need to do that today. Let's pray together. God in heaven, we pray right now that you will just fill our hearts with this intense desire for you. And for the things that only you offer and provide, things that truly do last forever. 
Uh, in my life, God, I, I'm reminded right now of those things that matter, that I am alive, that I have been made alive by Jesus Christ and the work that he has done in me. And I pray that for my friends today, those who have, have made commitments to Christ in their life, that even this, this, this teaching, even this look at truth this morning, God, would remind us uh, of the great message of the great work that Jesus Christ has accomplished in every one of us. God, there are those here, there are many here today who have been baptized and made this decision for themselves. And God, I pray uh, that you would use this time this morning to give them a a confident reminder and assurance uh, of not only the decision they've made, but more importantly, God, the work that you have done in them. You know, forgiveness and new beginnings, that we are new creations because of Jesus. But knowing that, you know, I, I know that there might be some here today who have been heading down the wrong path wrong thinking or wrong choices and for some satan has been stirring up this past and this fear and this doubt and this guilt creating all of this confusion but god through the power of this uh, of the holy spirit today would you remove that confusion Uh, would you remind us of your great forgiveness would you even remind us of that day when we were baptized when we made it publicly known the decision that we had made with our lives that we were buried with christ but raised to new life in Him. God, for some here today, um, I pray and realize that they may be seeing this new life and this new beginning uh, for the first time, or, or maybe it's finally becoming clear, but, but there's some confusion and there's some fear around it and maybe even some shame. God, we pray for You to work in such a way that they would truly know Your love and, and know Your great forgiveness. But also, God, some are ready to say yes to your son, Jesus. We pray, God, that you would take over in a powerful way, that you would be the Lord of their life. And for those here today who don't know Christ, but maybe today is the day where you finally make that commitment with your life, with, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if, if you would like to make that known today, would you just put your hand up in the air right now so that I can pray for you? You don't have to be ashamed in doing this, but wherever you're sitting right now, if I can just pray for you in this moment, just go ahead and put your hand up. Thank you. You can pray this prayer. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. And it's in his powerful and awesome name we pray this prayer. Amen.